2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give us a call to get in line, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I will start with better be watering things. It's getting pretty darn dry out there. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, uh, how was your flight? Our flight? Yeah, didn't you go on that Jeff Bezos? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought that's where you were last week. That's what my understanding was. No, I, I
4: you know, I kind of wish I
3: had. That, that I looked like a were. lot of fun. I thought I saw your name on that list. No,
4: no, what? I couldn't afford it. I was thinking about it, but, uh, you know, a little short this month. Oh. Would no. you do that?
3: Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah,
4: I figured... It
3: would be fun. I just—I didn't realize they were just going to go straight up and come straight down. I yeah. thought they were going to float around a little bit.
4: They were only up there. It was a 10-minute flight. That's even shorter. Alan Shepard's flight was 15 minutes. <laughs> so I don't know why they just don't go up in the Vomit Comet. If they, wanna, if they want to uh, just go weightless, you can go up there and go weightless in, in the, the plane that they use to train the astronauts. Right. But I guess you don't get the view of the Earth and that, so that would be pretty cool. It would be awesome.
3: Yeah. I mean yeah. – uh, but I thought sure that's where you were last no,
4: night. No, didn't didn't leave the earth. Oh I'd like to. Believe me.
3: I was gonna get your <laughs> autograph.
4: Well, you could have my autograph anyway. Well, oh, that's true. Only ten bucks.
3: All right. Ha <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You bet. It is Saturday morning and we can get together and discuss whatever's going on in your landscape. So uh, got any questions, concerns about whatever it happens to be outdoors, or it doesn't have to be in your landscape. It can be your house plants as well and hopefully you will use the information I'll share with you and uh, make a really good, solid decision on making the final judgment on what action you want to take. By the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player in the game is Alex. He's producing. He answers the phone. He pushes the buttons and keeps me from going crazy. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to do one. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And that's where I can be reached. This past Wednesday, wonderful. Ellenwood in Clayton. This house was just absolutely spectacular as far as the amount of varieties of plant material and everything else. And when I find out that there was... The lady that lives there pretty much does most of the work herself. This just seemed incredible. It was just uh, a tour de botanica, let's put it that way, from the front yard around to the backyard and the sculptures and all kinds of other stuff. So that was really enjoyable. And then today, after the show, I'm headed out to town and country where I'll meet with the people from Sunset Landscape, and we're going to be looking at a house out there that they're looking at uh, taking care of. So anyway, the good gardening stroll is brought to you by St. Louis composting six, three, six, eight, six, one, three, three, four, four. I'll tell you, it was a perfect sunrise as far as the really orange ball. So the, the fog or clouds or whatever that was that created that impact. You don't get to see that all that much, but it was really nice to be up that early and be able to see that. So I headed South on Highway 30, or Gravois, if you want to call it. And there, as I got to this valley, I looked to the right. Grant's Farm, all right. And then what I did is I went over to the other side of the road, south side, and that's Grant's View branch of the county library system. And I par- when I parked in the back, where that's where all the parking is, I was greeted by a huge amount of juniper berries. On this, on all the junipers, upright junipers they have in this uh, area is just unbelievable the amount of juniper berries that are on there, and spectacular hydrangeas. The white was so pure. The parking lot was really a botanical wonder in its own way. I didn't realize I had not really paid that much attention as we drive by or something like that, but it was really striking. But I was heading for the community garden. And the signage explains what a community garden is. Another sign reminds look, don't pick. These are all raised beds and plantings include all kinds of. I, I should have probably kept count on the different varieties of tomatoes that are being grown. There was asparagus, there's zucchini, there is some sunflowers that are not necessarily huge as far as height goes, but the base of the, uh, the stalks at ground level were three to four inches. They were huge. There was flowering corn. There's a nice bench there and a picnic table as well. There's all sorts of herbs planted in all these various raised beds and uh, a shed at the end of the area where people can store things, I'm assuming, or there's tools there or probably hoses and everything else. And the raised beds numbered all the way up to 28. There's a compost bin there also. It's pretty full. And on the way back from the compost bin towards the building in my car, zinnias, purple coneflowers, black-eyed Susans, peppers. Some of the peppers were, I don't know if there were two different varieties or not. Some were really green, but some of them were going to red. And so that was really kind of nice. There was one variety of tomato that I noticed that still had the tag or the name tag on it. It was called Black Kim. And there's all sorts of onions, as you know I how I feel about onions. There There's giant onions and regular onions as well. Petunias, begonias, arugula, annual salvia, ever-bearing strawberries, because they were still, how do I know they're ever-bearing? Because they were still in flower. The June-bearing ones have already finished and would not have any flowers on them. There was uh, lettuce, sweet potato vine, numerous structures to help support varieties of plants. Robins were singing Crickets were chirping or chattering away. It was a perfect day to mingle in Grants View Community Garden. And the sponsors are Aetna, Gateway Greening, and St. Louis County Library. So it was a nice, mellow day in the community garden. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes folks three one four four three six seven nine
3: hundred or one 925 two five eleven twenty We do have some phone lines open if you do have any questions or concerns about your plant material. Let's start off in Mary's yard. Hi Mary Hi Mike uh, thank you for this service. Uh, I have uh, four crepe
5: myrtles that are uh, I thought they would I thought they were they were goners, but they uh, have revived and um, a few of them. Um, are has some blooms on them, not many, but it's the Delta Jazz is the variety. Um, something is chomping on the leaves, and I may have asked you about this last year, and I forgot what you told
3: me to um uh, put on the leaves to stop that. Well, the best thing to do is go out there and try to find out what it is. Do you know what a Japanese beetle looks like? I do not. Okay, no, it's kind of a fairly small beetle. And it uh, could be on the underside of the leaf, and they have a bluish-green, really shiny look to them. So my guess okay. is it's Japanese beetles. So you need to go out there and check. And if you do have the Japanese beetles, you need to spray an insecticide, whether it's in, you know, insecticidal soap or whatever you choose to use, directly on the beetle.
5: Okay. Do, do, do you have a, 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 a variety, a brand that you recommend? Or and I don't want to know a brand, but... I would just look for something for Japanese beetles. Then. Well,
3: I mean, insecticidal that- soap should kill them. But, uh, yeah, you could just look for, you know, I don't know if they're going to list individual bugs that are they're going to, con- uh, you know, control. But, uh, yeah, go to your favorite garden center and see what they recommend, and then you can okay. make the decision from that.
5: All right. And I have one other small question. Sure. I have a honeysuckle, that, and it's called Sergeant or Major or something. <laughs> it's It is— uh it's on a six foot fence and it has pulled itself um, off of that I had to re reattach it with some wire it's um I had it hung with a it climbed up a a mesh kind of product um i had it i had it attached with some velcro straps and they broke so it's way way over six feet. My question is um when it cools off, can I cut that maybe down two thirds
3: Now you're talking about this is a vine type honeysuckle, right? Uh, Correct. Yes. Okay. So yeah, like a red trumpet or whatever. But yeah, what you Uh can do is just wait till the growing season's over, and then you can do the pruning. And since they're summer bloomers, you got all the time to prune all the way up until uh, probably early spring, because that's when the you know the flower buds for that following summer would be forming. So you got all the way from let's say September until uh, March to get the pruning done.
5: OK, that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that.
3: Thank you for your service. I pre- appreciate it very much. Sure. My pleasure. And thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go down to Arnold and go into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob.
6: Hi, Mike. I got brown spots in Missouri. Though.
3: Well, it's, you know, it's tough to tell exactly what it is. How big are the spots?
6: But it's a pretty good
3: size. Okay, so is it one single spot or is it one just it, a it bu- just
6: run from It just runs down the hill just in that one spot and uh, got one on the far side a little bit.
3: Yeah, you might have, you know, it might be a fungus problem and it might be an insect problem. The best thing you can do is to get down and take either dig up a square where the lawn is still green and where it's brown, and take it up like a six inch square and take it to your favorite garden center and have them take a look. Or get down on your hands and knees and look because there's an insect that can cause a problem, but there's also a fungus that can cause the problem. And, it's a, the and if this isn't. I put the
6: down, but it didn't seem to like it done any good. What's that? I put the fungicide down, but it didn't seem like it done any good.
3: Well, maybe it's not a fungus problem then, maybe it's an insect problem.
6: You think uh, I, I looked? at it. I can't see no cinch bugs running around down in
3: there. But well, yeah, chinch bugs are about a, you know quarter inch, so you really got to get yeah. down there and look close. You can't just look down. They're not like well, grubs been, or I've anything.
7: Digging in the
3: ground. Yeah, so if uh, either that or it's just a, you know an overly wet spot, and uh, you know because your downspouts are shooting water down on them, and then you would think it would be you know a fungus, but maybe it's a bacteria type thing. So. Yeah.
6: Well, what, what I, would you recommend me put it on there to try it?
3: Uh, I would say, you know, I mean, just to sort of shotgun it, I would, you know, it's a little tough. To, I would go to your favorite garden center and explain to them what you got and see what they recommend.
6: Okay. I got some uh, cinch bug stuff. Will it hurt to put it down?
3: No, not at all. Not if, uh, I mean, if they're not there, it's not going to harm, you know, it won't, hurt, it won't hurt your lawn or anything else. And all it could do is possibly, you know, maybe if you've got some grubs in there and the grubs won't eat bluegrass or this is bluegrass, right? Or is this zoysia? Zoysia. Yeah. So, um, you know, grubs, most of the insects won't eat zoysia. It's only a few different, you know, relatively rare insects that do cause problems. So, yeah, Mm. I'd go, go ahead and put it down.
6: Okay. One more question. Can I? Got again. I was getting ready to fertilize for August. Can I go ahead and do, put that down, or would you recommend hold up?
3: No, I would say you know I wouldn't necessarily fertilize a brown area, but uh, yeah. the rest of it's that's green. This is the time when you want to get it done.
6: Yeah, so, I was getting ready to, but I wasn't sure. And now that fungus, how often can I use that?
3: Uh, depends upon the type. That's why you have to read the label. Some of them it's only apply once every month. Some is every other week and it depends upon the weather. So probably every two weeks would be my guess.
6: About every two weeks? Yeah. As I said, I'm gonna, I got some sense bug killer. I'm gonna try that that and then I'll get me go take some down to the nursery.
3: Right. Because and also realize if it is that problem, regardless of what it happens to be, eradicating the problem is not gonna turn that area back into green.
6: Yeah. Well, I know, but it looked like terrible, you know.
3: <laughs> I understand. <laughs> in that.
6: Uh but I got green in the brown. You can see the green leaves.
3: Right. Green blades. Okay.
6: Blades, I mean.
3: So it's just I mean, uh it's just I mean lawns here, this is the worst pre- you know, probably the worst place in the entire country to grow lawn because of our weather circumstance and everything else and transition zone where Cool season and warm season lawns grow both, and that's where the trouble is.
6: All right. Well, I'll cut me up a piece and take it down to the nursery then and see what they say.
3: All right. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Liz's yard, and she lives in Clayton. Hi, Liz. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good.
5: I um, am growing a lot of uh, Sun Gold tomatoes. However, now they're getting split. Am I giving them too much water or too little water, or well, what is that?
3: And it also might be, the are you using regular tomato food?
5: Probably, yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. so, because, I mean, it's going to have some nutrients that prevent some of these problems.
5: Okay, so I, just, well, I have so many, I'm afraid to add too much uh, fertilizer to them or food, because I don't think the, my my squirrels aren't even eating many more, they're so full.
3: Oh, right. That- <laughs> ha.
5: So, but is, okay, so nutrients, but it's not necessarily a water issue?
3: No, I mean, if the plants are healthy and everything, then it's not a water issue. If the the plants plants are, are, you know.
5: know, they're doing fine. Okay, thank you, Mike, so much, and thanks for having our show for us.
3: Sure, well, thank you. Mm, Bye. And let's go over to Joanne's yard. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Hi.
0: Hi. Uh, I have a problem with zinnias. I have some in a pot on my patio, and uh, they've been look The leaves have been looking kind of wilty, and they have like a, 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 a white uh, film on the leaves. Uh, I don't know if that's is that called powdery mildew or something like that.
3: You're absolutely right. It's powdery mildew. It's more of an aesthetic problem than anything else. So. Uh, uh, doesn't really over, doesn't overly affect the actual production of the zinnia flowers or anything along that line.
0: I see. I, what causes that?
3: Uh, it's it's an airborne fungus. I mean, lots of different plants get it. Perennial wise, annual wise. I mean, lilacs get it too. So it's just one of those kind of chronic problems every year that you're going to ex- experience. Not yeah, I've necessarily. I've never
0: had it before. Or, you know, I've had zinnias before, right. and they never had that problem, so well, I this, just didn't know.
3: Yeah, this year the weather was just perfect for right in your yard where these are growing in their pot.
0: I see. And is there anything you can do about it?
3: Not as a preventative. There really isn't.
0: Okay. Just put up with it.
3: Exactly. Unfortunately.
0: It didn't seem to affect the flowers themselves. Right. It's just the leaves that look like
3: that. Right. That's why I said it's more of an aesthetic problem than it is a physical problem that impacts the plant material in general.
0: I see. Okay. I plant the zinnias because I'm trying to attract hummingbirds. Ah. But I have a feeder, and they go to the feeder more than they go
3: to the zinnias. Yeah, the zinnias are not exactly their favorite. <laughs> what what would be their favorite? Uh, plant-wise, let's say, like, well, I don't know if you have shade or shady area or anything like that. But I have, in the sun, I have lantana. And uh, it's kind of a shrubby-type, perennial, annual-type thing. And that's about, I don't have a, a hummingbird feeder, but that's the only plant I see them going to. Uh,
0: oh, what is the, the name
3: of that plant? Uh, Lantana, L-A-N-T-A-N-A.
0: Okay, well, I'll see, maybe I'll see if I can get some of that. Well, I thank you, you very much for your help. I appreciate
3: it. Sure, and I'll tell you another plant that I used to, that, that I'm not growing this year that I grow a lot is hyacinth, H-Y-C-I-N-T-H. Hyacinth bean, B-E-A-N vine, V-I-N-E. It's an annual vine, and uh, it's in the pea family, spectacular, you know, purplish flowers that the hummingbirds love, and then it gets purplish oh. bean pods they, oh, when okay. they get pollinated.
0: Okay, hyacinth, Zena.
3: Hyacinth, bean, B-E-A-N. Oh, bean. Okay. B-E-A-N, okay. like a brother, and uh, then hyacinth is a vine. Okay, fine. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, I realize it's a little warm to be
3: working outside, but uh, with your annuals and your perennials, keep deadheading them. I mean, with the annuals, it will certainly encourage new blooms, but with the perennials... It just makes it so they don't really waste a lot of energy on spent flowers. And uh, after uh, another couple weeks, August 15th, do not fertilize your roses at all. And here's something related to that powdery mildew. Powdery mildew on lilacs, phlox, zinnias is unsightly but causes no harm or rarely warrants control. Now, this is from the University of Missouri Extension Service. They put out a newsletter every month. So that's some of the quotes from them. Let's go over to Collins. Colin, how are you? Good. Go ahead.
8: Yep. Yeah, I've got uh, two questions. One, uh, I've got bottom rot on my tomatoes. The tomatoes are six foot tall and loaded with tomatoes. But as soon as they get ripe, the bottom third of them are just black and rotten.
3: Right. What you have is the fertilizer you used did not have calcium in it. So blossom end rot is a result of no calcium in your fertilizer or in your soil.
8: Okay. That was cow manure.
3: Ha, <laughs> ha. No. won't have calcium. What's that? It won't have calcium.
8: Okay. So how do I add cal- Just can you get granulated calcium or
3: Yeah, I guess you could, or just get a fertilizer specifically for tomatoes because it's going to have calcium as part of the micronutrients.
8: Okay. My second question is, we have a tulip poplar tree uh, that last year the leaves turned black and, and, and kind of a moldy look on it.
3: And right.
8: It nearly looked like it was dying. It's come back out this year. Is that something that will happen again?
3: It could. What that was is you have an insect probably like aphids feeding on it. And as the aphids stick their, let's say, proboscis or needle nose in there to sort of drink the sap of the leaf, when they pull it back out, it leaves a little dew drop. Now that dew drop then gets, it can get moldy. So that's what it is, a result of insects being on the leaves of your plant and causing this to happen.
8: Okay. Just need to be sprayed with something? Or- yeah, or...
3: They I mean I don't know how big the tree is or anything else cuz it's pretty difficult to you know spray big trees but right. it is related to insects feeding on the leaves and it doesn't I mean they're going to hurt the leaves to a certain point but that's what causes this black fungus stuff on the on that particular particular okay. tree's foliage. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see where should we go? Let's go over to O'Fallon and go into Barbara's yard. Hi Barbara.
9: Hello. Hi. We planted two tomato plants, and right now they are getting real yellow leaves with tiny black spots, and I did see a real little insect of some kind on one of the stems, and uh, I went to a nursery... They recommended copper fungicide. I've used that once, but it looks like it's still spreading to the other leaves. And the very bottom stem has almost looks like cotton that's been pulled and real thin on the stem.
3: Little pieces
9: not just pieces like the whole stem.
3: Oh, well, I would say your tomatoes are just not in good shape. So, okay. This late in the season, there's really not anything that you're going to be able to do. Do you know which variety this was?
9: Yes, one was a uh, Early Girl. Okay. And we've had one red tomato, one's turning red, and there's a lot of other tomatoes on that. And the other one is beefsteak, and the same with it. Right. The tomatoes look small, but they are in clusters, almost like grapes, instead of just one here and there.
3: Right. Because, I mean, those varieties that you got are ones that are resistant to a lot of the problems. So that's, you know, I want to make sure that you did get, you know, named varieties. Are these in the ground or in a pot?
9: no they are in a raised bed and the bed goes down to like a funnel by funnel it's that you know like a v shape
3: okay that shouldn't be a problem i would say i you know if you want to fool around with them for the rest of this year you can but it's going to be a lot of work and you're probably i mean your the rewards that you're going to get is not going to be worth the effort you know from my perspective but certainly You could go ahead and try, but uh, it sounds like, you know, copper fungicide on it, and you saw an insect, so that was, you know, kind of two different things. Okay. And so if you do see insects, just, uh, you know, get insecticidal soap and spray them directly on any of the insects that you might see, because a lot of times, I mean, some of the problems can be spread by insects that are feeding along, you know, stems or leaves or whatever it happens to be.
9: Uh huh. Okay, well, I'm getting tired of messing with them. Yeah,
3: I would say I'd, give up.
9: <laughs> in the beginning, I did buy fruit blooming and uh, rot- rooting plant food. It had a picture of a tomato on it.
3: Okay, that's, you know, you're, you did everything you could, but I mean, with the goofy weather and everything that we've had this year, it made, it's, it's made certain circumstances in individuals' homes or you know, gardens or whatever it happens to be not be as successful as they should be.
9: Okay. So just leave it alone and see if the tomatoes do turn red?
3: Right. Just, okay. I mean, keep watering and everything. Keep it as much healthy as you possibly can. But beyond that, I wouldn't do too much. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Good morning. Hi.
10: Uh, I have a problem with one of my peony bushes that's been in the ground for probably 20 years. I'm used to seeing some mildew on them this time of the year. Right. But this year, it's I don't know whether it's mildew. It looks kind of grayish. And I'm assuming, because the leaves look like dead. I'm assuming I need to cut it back, but I'm worried about the implications for next year. Will
3: it come back? It shouldn't have a problem if, I mean cutting the just make sure that if you cut the leaves off that you get them out of there. Just don't cut them and let them drop right in that spot because you could have knocked with with those leaves that have the the fungus or whatever the powdery mildew or whatever it happens to be on them if they just lay there, then it's going those spores are going to drop into the ground, and then next year, when the new foliage comes up. From the ground, from the root system, it can pick those spores right back up again. So that's where you got to be very cautious and, you know, be careful and clean and, you know, keep everything clean. But they shouldn't. If if they looked, you know, overall healthy, you know, up until I'm assuming they flowered and everything up until this this part of the season, this is a time where they kind of go dormant anyway. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So just uh, keep everything clean and uh, you shouldn't have a problem. And now let's go over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave.
11: Hi, Mike. I also have a fungus problem. Um, I have a fungus in my yard, and I've had it for years. Most years, it comes on pretty strong. And I try treating it and doing various things to, to help it. But it seems to come back. I mean, early in the spring, my yard was like perfect. And sure. now probably 25% of it has been destroyed with this, uh, this fungus. Um, I use uh, – the grass is a tall fescue, and it's a variety. I've tried, you know, three or four different types of of grass seeds from St. Louis vendors um, that are a mixture of fescues. I'm not overwatering it. I've been very careful this year to – even though, you know, we've had a lot of rain and stuff, but I right. try not to do any extra watering that isn't absolutely mandatory. I've only fertilized the yard once with milorganite. Um, I cut the grass tall every year or you know, every time. Um, and I've been treating it with two products. One is the Scott's Disease X and one is the BioAdvantage Fungus Control. And I've been overdosing those based on some stuff I've read online. Do you have any idea what I can do that I haven't already done or? What I can do to prevent this from coming back next year?
3: Yeah, if you've had a, a history of this going back multiple years, now as far as these fungicides, how often are you re- applying them?
11: Well, uh, every two to four weeks.
3: Boy, you're doing everything that you could or should, you know. So that's I know.
11: Re- I've been researching it, and I've been trying to hit it with everything. Right. It's all. So- Does the fungus, like, live in the soil? I know in the past I've had, like, impatience that were killed by a fungus and I couldn't plant there for, you know, five years or something. Right. Does Does that?
3: I mean, that could be a possibility, but uh, have you ever core aerated Yeah. So you've core aerated put some compost down. You've done everything you possibly can. Uh, To me, it sounds like this particular spot in your lawn is just overly compacted and, you know, I mean— when you mow or anything else, the blades sit there, they kind of re-inoculate it for next year. I'm assuming you're dethatching. You're doing everything you possibly can.
11: I haven't dethatched. Oh. Should I do that? I don't really have a lot of thatch, but I haven't dethatched.
3: Well, I would still give it a, you know, you don't have to get a machine or anything. Just use a leaf rake and really, you know, rake it heavy, especially the area that has this damage. If it's in the same spot year in, year out.
11: Yeah, it's pretty much spread across my whole yard, oh. and my neighbors don't have it. <laughs> <sighs> so now my neighbors don't have the greatest grass. Right. And I had really nice grass, and obviously it goes to the you know the the nicer stuff gets it hit first. But,
3: sure, absolutely.
11: Um, so. Uh, can if I do like a soil test? Can they detect anything? I've done other soil tests, but should I do a soil test of the areas?
3: Well, it wouldn't hurt because what that's going to do is going to show you maybe you have a a high level of you know potassium or a high level of this or a high level of that, or your pH may be a little bit high or might may be a little bit low. So it's going to show you some of the background information of what's going on in the ground right there and or throughout your entire yard. But, you Uh know, I mean, what you're experiencing is what people do with cool season lawns is they always look great, you know, when the weather's cool, but then they start going down, potentially going downhill. And even though the fescues are more resistant than some of the other varieties, but uh, still they have their own problems.
11: Yeah. Is there any other variety of... I mean, I've liked the, the narrow blade, but maybe I just can't handle that, you know. Is there something else I should be overseeding with to kind of get something else no. in there? No,
3: fescue blend is the best thing you can do.
11: Okay, okay. So maybe dethatch it lightly this fall right. and do a soil test. Right. If, I'm, if I have like too high a, I don't know, Whatever pH, new, yeah, pH or whatever. Does that make things like this happen more likely? I mean, you know, does yeah, that Yeah, it kind
3: of sets a stage up where, and especially if you have a history of it.
11: Yeah, yeah, I definitely have a history. I mean, one year, I about took the whole yard out. Whoa. Um, now I wasn't treating it. I, you know, I hadn't been in it as diligent in those years as I am now. But it's, it's still really bad. So let me try those two things. I appreciate your help.
3: All right. Thanks, Jason. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This
1: is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and let's go over to Jason's
3: yard, and Jason lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Jason.
12: Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks. I have a hillside that faces the sun, and I had a bunch of little holes in it, looked like little caves or something, and I thought, I don't don't know what, they were frogs or what, Um, but I think now that they may be voles or, you know, field mice. So I'd like to know what your recommendations would be on addressing that. And then along that hillside, I, I also have sprayed that back. There was a lot of ground cover and miscellaneous ivy, and now I need to put uh, just one consistent uh, ivy or something in there on that hillside. Again, it's too steep to mow, so I wanted your ideas. Thanks, Mike.
3: Yeah, first of all, if it's you know if it's really steep and south facing, I would not use ivy. It's a little bit too hot. It can handle it, but it's not going to do all that well. I'd take a look at something called Liriope or monkey grass, and get the variety Spicata. So Liriope Spicata. It's a spreading type of ground cover. It's you know pretty invasive and everything else. Either that, or some of the varieties of sedums. S e d u m. There's several different varieties of sedum. But these holes you're talking about, I don't know if you stuck a you know stuck anything down into the hole to see how deep they were, because it may not be you know. I mean, if it was mice or voles or something and you say you're, there's a considerable amount of them, you would see them. I mean, it's not like they're going to sneak out and only go when you're not out in the backyard or anything else. And if that's the case, then you got some really smart mammals in your yard. But uh, I would say, you know, try to figure out what those holes are because they could be problematic for anything that you're going to be putting in there. And if you're going to do a new ground cover in this space, you're going to have to improve the soil. And I know that's going to be tough. So basically what you need to do is start at the bottom and work your way up the hill. That way, by starting at the bottom, you're not going to have erosion and things like that. So don't try to do it all at once as far as planting goes. But again, Liriope, L-I-R-I-O-P-E, and you want the variety Spicata. That's the one that's a ground cover. That's the one they use like at the Botanical Garden in the English, or in English, in the Japanese garden. And uh, the sedum, S-E-D-U-M, there's multiple varieties of sedum. Probably try to find one of the ones that is an evergreen-type sedum. So like sedum uh, palace purple or something along that line. Um, So it's going to be a tough job. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news.
1: Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, and it is a tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes. can I ask you something related to the news? Yeah. Now, why would we have people in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County wear masks, but Madison County, St. Charles County, Jefferson County, any of those surrounding areas don't have to? I don't understand.
4: Well, it's just city and county officials are kind of working together on this, St. Louis city and county. And the other counties are all working on it on their own more so. And so city and county, the mayors and the county executive and their health leaders are kind of all teaming up to work on this, whereas the other ones are on their own. So I talked to Steve Ellman yesterday. He's the county executive in St. Charles County. Uh They never had a mask mandate. And he said that their rates, uh, hospitalization and death rates were half of what St. Louis County and city were. So he doesn't think a mask mandate is necessary or even works. He's not convinced that it would work. Uh, the city and county folks have a, have a different point of view. They say it, it absolutely helps prevent the spread wearing masks. So that's why there's the the difference there. I just
3: couldn't quite figure that out because, I mean, this is a huge metropolitan area and only two sort of locations. That doesn't, you know, it didn't make sense. Right. Now it does.
4: Yeah. Great.
3: Thanks for your insight. You're welcome. Yes, folks, and thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selections, cares for, ups and downs and all arounds. annuals, bulbs, Edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, or opinions is not the only garden path to take to have success, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He's producing, so he answers the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. Uh, during the week, uh, I spend time doing landscape consulting, which I call walk and talks, and I do them on the weekends too. So to, again, today I'm headed out to town and country, and uh, going to meet with the people at uh, Sunset uh, Landscape and take a look at the yard and see what the what's going on there. And they're going to be working on this particular landscape, and they just wanted my, my insight. <laughs> anyway. If you'd like to schedule a walk and talk, you can go to my phone. Well, you can go to my website, and then that's where my email address and phone number is. And I'll come to your home and share 40-plus years of experience. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individuals, groups, or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out. This is a really tough time of year, but all the drivers of the trash trucks, recycle trucks, and everything else. I mean, it is so hot and it's such a tough job. You know, I live in the city, so in the alley we've got all these huge dumpsters and everything else, but uh, Tip of the Trial goes out to all the drivers for all the refuse department and recycling department and yard waste department and everything else. And uh, so, I mean, I admire these guys. They go up and down, and I mean, they are just unbelievable. These narrow streets and narrow alleys and everything else. So, I greatly appreciate all their work, and that's why I gave them the tip of the trowel. So, let's go ahead and get a call or two in before we take a break. Let's go over to Jackie's yard. Hi, Jackie.
13: Uh, Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have uh, two 63 year old pin oaks in my front yard and the one has those gall wasps on it. Right. Uh, what's the chance of me keeping them?
3: Uh, well, I mean, you can just leave them, let them go. I mean, I mean, it can be problematic from the standpoint, once you get so many galls on it, it could cause some stress fractures, and then water can run down the, the limb or the trunk or whatever it happens to be and get into the, let's say, the interior of the, of the tree and cause problems that way. I mean, there's injection systems, but it takes about two years or so after you get the tree injected before the actual chemical that you're having injected with uh, makes it to the top that could cause uh, some deterrence for you know the wasp and everything else. So I would say you probably it's it's to roll the dice. Let's put it this way, and I wouldn't be the
13: ground the uh, the dirt that has nothing to do with it. My soil, right?
3: Nothing. Whatsoever.
13: Nothing. Okay. See, I, I did take a soil sample. There was an article in the paper last weekend about this, and they said take a soil sample, you know, to your conservation. And I did go to Kirkwood, and they told me I should have someone come out and look at the trees right. not to waste my money with a soil sample. Yeah,
3: Why is so, for somebody to say take a soil sample, that makes no sense whatsoever.
13: Yeah, that was in the uh, gardening question and answer of last Sunday. Oh, really? The botanical garden. <laughs>
3: ah, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Pu. Yeah,
13: yeah. They they said uh, your your best uh, best thing is to uh, go and get a soil sample. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh my.
13: Uh, yeah, right. So,
3: <laughs> That's sad.
13: I, I thank you very very much. And uh, I was listening to you many years ago when you had your your problem, and oh, um, my, I'm glad you are healthy.
3: Oh, my seizure. Yeah, I still take uh, medicine for my epilepsy.
13: Well, I'm glad, and I listen every uh, Saturday. I'm 88 years old, but I was listening when that
3: happened that time. Wow. So, that was a long, long time. time ago. So yeah. thank
13: you very, very much for every Saturday. Okay?
3: Well great. Well thank you. Yeah, that was nineteen ninety eight. Well I I guess I'm still okay. No. I'm okay because I take my medicine as much as I hate medicine. But anyway, let's go over to Kathy's yard now. Hi Kathy. Hi.
5: Um, I have several pockets of my yard that's hard to get my mower in. So I was thinking that I would put bulbs in this fall that come up in the spring and just have that vegetation there and wondered your thoughts on that and what your tips would be.
3: (laughs) Well, you can put bulbs there, and they will come up, and they will flower, and they will have foliage, but then that dies off.
5: I thought the foliage would stay around
3: quite a bit. No, you quite, mean like for daffodils and included. tulips and things like that? Yes.
5: Uh-huh. No,
3: they last for a, probably after they finish flowering, maybe a, up to a month, maybe five weeks at the most.
5: Oh, well, shoot.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm still looking for areas, those little pockets that are hard to get to. Right.
3: So. so just, I mean, realign your bed space, and that would certainly you know solve your problem. Um make it so use your mower to find you know the nice easy curve and uh just improve that soil and then you can put some ground covers perennials or you know other things besides the bulbs in there and then just have it filled with that kind of stuff
5: yeah all right very good i appreciate uh your show and and thanks for taking my call
3: today sure my pleasure and now let's go over to adam's yard and he lives in belleville hi adam
7: hey mike good morning good morning I've got um, a bunch of Irish iris plants, rather, in, uh, in my backyard. Obviously, they're done flowering. I'm wondering how I can kind of trim back the foliage because they're really quite big and, and getting a little overgrown looking.
3: Yeah, this is the time of year when you want to do it. You can cut them back, you know, back to about three inches or so.
7: The entire plant just kind of clear across the top?
3: Exactly. So, like, give it okay. a crew cut more or less.
7: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And that's all uh, you really Thursday, need to do nice that's easy i love it I uh, also wanted to just say thanks for the show uh i've got uh my raised bed mix from stl composting just the other day and my wife's like where'd you get that from and how'd you hear about it i'm like i listen to the garden hotline on the radio she's like you're 29 years old why are you listening to gardening radio but anyway <laughs>
3: that's a i good appreciate
7: one. the show it's, it's very insightful
3: well great well thanks I greatly appreciate right. it
7: thank you so much
3: yep and uh for anybody that has any azaleas or rhododendrons in your landscape or holly or any broadleaf evergreen, even boxwood, if you start to see pale green, the leaves turning pale green or you know almost to a yellow, what that means is your soil pH is bad. And what you're going to have to do is probably get a soil test done to find out exactly what's going on with the pH. That's the relativity of, let's say, vinegar versus uh, salt. So that's kind of the azalea is like a vinegar kind of soil, not a salty one. Lilacs like salty. Vinegar is for azaleas, hollies, and things like that. So you're going to have to make some changes as a result of that. Also, there are some insects that can cause a yellowing, but for the most part, it's usually the soil pH. So. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and
3: let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Marty's yard. Hi, Marty.
14: Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a beautiful area of purple coneflowers. They are the pink, purple in color. Uh and. Some of them are turning green. The whole thing turns green, and in the cone part of the flower, there are things that pop out of it that look like small, uh, miniature little cone flowers. Is this a problem, or is there a disease, or what's going on with that? No,
3: that's just a natural, you know, sort of process.
14: Do I need to pull those out?
3: No, they're fine. No okay thank you so wh- one question i have a bunch of coneflowers too and some of the hard rains this particular year had really beat them down so i've had to put some supports around and keep them more vertical did you have any mm-hmm. problems with that yes
14: i did yeah. i uh have been propping them up right. because the wind especially a couple weeks ago when we had a bad storm right. really flattened a lot of
3: them <laughs> yeah exactly so, yes. no, what's happening is just the process and why it's not happening to all. And it's just, you know, one of those quirky things that you never know what the answer is. Or okay. Well, know.
14: the pollinators love them. So, oh, yeah. It's, it's great.
3: <laughs> and then the finches right. will, you know, another month or so, the finches will be all over the place eating the seed. Yes,
14: yes. So, it's, you can walk by them and you can just hear a hum, right. which is kind of nice.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Russell's yard. Hi, Russell.
11: Hey, how you doing? Very good. Hey, my
12: qu- my question is, I've got a Bradford pear, and last year and this year, for some reason, uh, during uh, at the time, the leaves start to get uh, start to turn black in the center. Oh. Uh, and then, uh, like right now, I've lost about twenty percent of the, the the foliage on the Bradford pear.
15: Right
3: any ideas basically, yeah it's basically it's got a disease that's going to kill it it's called fire blight and uh, once it's inside, it gets in the vascular system it's you know transmitted by various beetles and things like that from a tree that has a problem then they come to your tree and they can inoculate your tree with walking you know where there's any kind of let's say fissure or crack or something like that where sap, and then once it gets inside, there's nothing that can be done for fire blight. Bradford pears, crab apples, several hawthorns, lots of different trees get the fire blight, and that's pretty much it. You don't have to necessarily take the tree down. How do you
7: spell that? How do you spell that? Fire,
3: F-I-R-E Okay. Fire blight, B-L-I-G-H-T
7: Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'll do, uh, so Eventually, it's just going
3: to die. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay.
7: And I thank mean, you. To,
3: I mean, to Go leave ahead. it alone, you think, well, what difference does it make? But what it, you know, what can happen is, if uh, the you know the beetles or anything insects that can trans transmit the disease can affect other plants besides, like I said, the Bradford pear. So that's sure. kind of the advantage of just getting it taken out because you already know it's got a problem that's going to send it downhill.
7: Okay. Okay, thank you for your service. Sure, my
3: pleasure. And now let's see. uh, hmm. Virginia, how are you today?
9: I'm fine. How are you? Very good. (laughs) Uh, Several weeks ago, a lady called in, and she had a problem growing azaleas. And you suggested a flowering evergreen. What was the name of that plant?
3: That's kind of tough. You know, I don't remember exactly what plant, uh, you know, I would recommend.
9: It was a flowering evergreen that uh, you suggested she plant instead of the azalea.
3: Hmm. I'd have to think about that. Let's see. Flowering evergreen. Oh, probably it was a PJM rhododendron. Okay. So what okay. that is is just a stronger variety of rhododendron. It flowers a little bit earlier. It's not the classic rhododendron size foliage or anything, but they seem to be a lot more tough and a lot more durable than what the uh, okay. what the regular rhododendrons are. So it's just okay. the, init- the letters P, J, M. So Peter, John, Michael.
9: Oh, PJM rhododendron. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for your help.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And let's see now. Uh, Joe lives in South County. Hi, Joe.
7: Hello. Thanks for the service. Sure. Um, for bees, this year I planted some box, uh, bachelor button flowers, uh-huh. and the bees loved them, right? Right. Absolutely loved them. Uh, well, I have a question about pineapple. I, I'm thinking about growing some pineapple. And I was reading it's pretty simple just cut off the top and trim trim the fruit off and plant it but do I put it in a container do I put it straight into the garden how how can I do that
3: Well I can't grow you know it has to be in a pot and you have to bring it inside for the winter time Okay So I get Yeah so I mean basically I mean it's uh, pretty easy to do I mean you're not going to I mean let's You can ultimately get a pineapple, but to get a pineapple that's going to be full-size, edible, is probably going to be impossible. But it's kind of fun to watch them grow anyway.
7: Yeah, it it said it might grow to five feet in height. Like, okay, I could probably put that in my garage or my basement. Anything higher than that would be a trouble.
3: Yeah, five feet, that's going to be, you're looking at about 30 years. (laughs) I'm exaggerating, but it's—I mean—in this weather and everything else, even if you have it underneath grow lights and in perfect conditions, it's not going to—you're not going to see it, you know, five feet for a long, long, long time.
7: Well, I have a rubber 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 tree plant that's 27
3: years old. All right. Well, you—I
7: so I, I have potential for longevity.
3: All right. Sounds perfect. Okay. Thank a lot. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I forget whose house it was that. Uh, they had been growing pineapples for a couple of years, and actually they had a pineapple. It was on the stalk coming out of the original cutting that they made from the top of the pineapple fruit. And uh, the pineapple was probably like the size of a maybe tennis ball, and it was like uh, probably 10 years old or something. And uh, the stalk was probably like maybe three feet. But, uh, yeah, so it was, she was never going to get, uh, let's say, edible pineapple. But it's just fun to grow kind of, kind of oddball things. Let's go now over to Nick's yard. Hi, Nick.
8: How you doing?
3: Very good. I need,
8: to, I need to ask a question concerning a sweet
16: gumball tree. We've got this big, beautiful tree in the backyard, but it puts out so many sweet gumballs that uh, I thousands and thousands of them. Is there any way to sterilize that tree to keep it from
8: putting uh, balls out? Or Producing
3: the ball. Basically, there's a product called Florel. It was developed in Southern California because they have a lot of olive trees as street trees, so they spray them to prevent the, you know, the olive trees from producing olives. So, but then they found out it worked on sweet gum trees. The problem is it has to be sprayed every year. It doesn't have a long-term impact. So, ba- when it's in flower, and you're probably going to have to have a tree service come out ahead of time. You know, while before the leaves even come out, and to let you know when it's in flower, because most people don't even notice that it's in—you know—sweet gums are in flower, but that's when it has to be sprayed. What it does is just interrupt that uh, pollination of the flower, so consequently, you don't get any sweet gum balls for that year only. What was the name of it? Okay. What was the
8: name of the chemical?
3: F L O R E L. Florel.
8: Florel. And does it is it something you can buy
16: locally, or do you, I have to have a
3: tree you, service? Yeah, come out? you probably have to have a tree service come because I got to spray. I mean, you got to spray the whole tree, basically. And you don't have a sprayer, I'm sure. That can get. I don't know how big your tree is, but it sounds like if you got a thousand sweet gum balls, you got a big tree.
8: Yeah, it is a big tree. Yeah. So. All right. That answers my question.
3: It can be stopped nope <laughs> sorry there's nothing you can that could sterilize a tree permanently other than having okay. it removed and let's see now let's go well yeah let's go over to glenn's yard glenn is from steelville hi glenn hello hi.
6: uh i had my yard sprayed last uh, spring and uh how long do i have to wait for i can put grass in there
3: What'd you have You had it sprayed with what? Yeah, for weeds. Oh, basically, uh, depends upon what chemical they, you know, what chemical they use. But usually, it's any place between two and four weeks afterwards. Now, to put grass seed down this time of year is really kind of a waste of energy and everything else. You might as well wait for another, you know, month or so until mid to late August and put the seed down then. Putting right. seed down during the heat of this summer, July is really extremely difficult okay thank you yep my pleasure mike miller km Watch garden hotline back after these
1: messages this is the st louis composting garden hotline with mike miller on the voice of st louis kmox yes with your cool
3: season lawn in other words your bluegrass or your fescue mow frequently enough to compensate for the growth so what you want to do Set your mower a little bit higher, and uh, probably like three and a half inches or so, and cut and mow enough where the clippings that after you mow are only about an inch. Then, if it's a non-watered or stressed lawn, it may not grow at all this time of year. Mm. So, consequently, if it's not growing, do not mow. So, don't set. Well, let's see. Maybe I can just set my blades, low, my mower blade lower, and just cut oh. it. Don't do that. That's going to cause major problems that you already have because it's not growing. Anyway, let's go over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi. How are you? Very good.
15: Hey, I got a question. I had the same uh, long service guy for the last three years, and I got zoysia grass. Could he be doing something that is killing the zoysia? I mean, it, I got bare spots. Unbelievable now.
3: Whoa. Well, I don't know. You know, I hate to say it, but uh, sometimes people mowing... Does he mow your grass?
15: No, I, I do all the mowing, and, you know, I do exactly what you say. I, I set my mower high. Nothing's changed in the last three years.
3: Okay. They, probably he's not doing anything. Your zoysia may be just old, or also realize that when you mow your grass over these brown spots you could be actually spreading, you know, this problem around because you don't, I'm sure you don't clean the underside of your mower after you exactly. mow. Exactly. So, okay. I mean, that's, okay. that's a way that, uh, you know, a problem can be spread. I would, If this guy seems like he knows what he's doing, uh, I can't, you know, I can't really blame him, but I'm not there. I can't see. I don't know what he's put down or anything else. But uh, how old your zoys and lawn?
15: Well, I've been there... Uh... 22 years and I've added plugs throughout, you know, the years. Okay. But nothing major.
3: Well, I mean, you're doing everything you possibly could. So, and you're fertilizing it, correct? He's fertilizing? it? Uh, he does he does all
15: that. That's okay. what I that's what he does.
3: Okay. So, maybe you know, might ask him what kind of fertilizer he's putting down, and you might get a soil test done just to see in relationship to the f- what I'll do is it will tell you if you have extravagant levels of some chemical that you would be, you know, from the fertilizer. So he may be putting a fertilizer down that could be problematic from the standpoint that every time he's putting, let's say, a 5-15-15 down. So the second two numbers, the phosphorus and potassium, if your soil is saying, we've got a lot of that, we don't need any more, then he's got to change the formula that he's putting down for your fertilizer. Okay. I'm,
15: I was actually... I'm gonna call them this week, and I thought, well, I'll just wait and talk to you first, and then call
3: them. Yeah, but I mean, you can get a soil test done. I don't know where you live, but Belleville, there's a private company that does uh, soil testing. So I live in Granite City. Okay, well, I'm. I don't think the I'm University. of right, Bellville. Yeah, University of Illinois, but uh, just look online for local companies that will do soil testing for you. Okay,
15: hey, and I thank you very much. You have a great day.
3: You do the same thing. And now let's go to Redbud and into Jason's yard. Hi, Jason. Hi,
12: Mike. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the other day I was out mowing my grass, and all of a sudden I felt a pop, and then followed by two other pops, two two stings. Look back, and I I I, I want to say they were bumblebees. Um. So I wanted to see what the best, you know, we got some spray, but I, I hate to kill things, especially pollinators like that. Right. I just wondered if, if you had any suggestions on. So they're in the ground, and 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 I can't mow my yard now, so I I got to do something. I just wanted to see what your thoughts are.
3: Uh, bumblebees, I don't. Do they live in the ground? Are you sure it wasn't a ground hornet? Was it maybe? Maybe
12: it was a hornet.
3: Right. My guess is probably a ground hornet. So if you can find the holes. I mean, I'm not saying you should, but you can inject some insecticide down into the hole. But I don't think bumblebees live in the ground. I could be wrong. Okay.
6: Okay.
12: But no matter what, in that case, if it's something that, whatever it is, if it's in the ground like that, uh, in order to mow, I mean, it comes down to you just you just got to get rid of them, right?
3: Pretty much. I mean, ground hornets are vicious, too. They bite and sting you know. both. So that's kind okay. of the, the bad side of those characters.
12: Okay. Okay. Well, that's what we were thinking. The other question I had real quick for you, Mike, is stumps. So we have probably about 20 stumps on our property that I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get rid of them. And, you know, I went on YouTube and there's a there's hundred different ways it sounds like you can do it. But in your, in your experience, what's the best way to get rid of stumps?
3: Basically, um, I mean, you're not going to accelerate the process that much to get rid of them. It's going to take a couple of years. Stump grinding is obviously one way, but it doesn't get rid of all the, let's say, lateral root systems as a result of it. But there's you know, th- products called stump rot where you, you, know, you drill holes into the stump and then pour this you know, product into it. But it's still going to okay. be a long, involved process to actually get rid of the stump entirely.
12: So you just kind of bite the bullet, get some old, get a couple of chainsaws, and go down as deep as you can, and right. and and then just let them rot out from right. there.
3: Because I mean that'll rot, but then, like I said, the lateral roots, you know, off the stump, you know, the, the old trunk, they could stay viable for, you know, even after the tree's been cut down for three to five years. Mm. With okay. each yeah, each year they're going to you know implode a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, so they're going to be less aggressive to anything that you're trying to grow in that area.
7: You know, it's
12: weird on some of them along the, the our lakefront that has a, a probably like a forty five uh, slope. There's a lot of big holes in those trunk areas, like around the tree trunk areas, um, and I don't know if that's from if that's just I mean holes that are probably oh almost a foot in diameter good lord and i don't know if it's yeah i don't know if it's if it's washing out underneath through the trunk into the lake or if it's something that's actually um you know burying or boring those out you know like a some some sort of animal i i don't know
3: yeah my guess is it's some kind of nat- you know natural type thing not being an animal okay
12: Well, I could sit there and ask you a million questions, Mike. We really appreciate your show. It it gets us very excited about working in the yard on the weekends.
3: Well, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And now let's go over to Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis.
16: Yeah, Mike. Listen, my daisies in the front came up beautiful and everything. Then the rabbits ate all the white petals off. Oh. So I just cut back all the – I cut off all the – you know, center brown centers that were left. Did I do the right thing?
3: Sure, that's fine. I mean, uh, you're growing them for aesthetics. So if you don't get the aesthetics, yeah, you know. So yeah, to do that, you should probably cut them back a little bit more to try to encourage another, you know, another flush.
16: Well, they might bloom again this summer. Right. Okay, one other question. I have two small, uh, what are they, miniature pines or whatever that I have on each, each side of the door, and I left them in the uh, container that they came in and put them in a bigger pot and filled around it with mulch, like you said, to keep it. They're about three years old, and now some of the things turn brown. Is Did I water it too much, or is it? The sun or what?
3: Well, it could be that. As far as turning brown, is it the side that's next to the house?
16: Yeah, I think so.
3: Yeah, then that's because there's no sun over there. So that's just a natural process of planting things, you know, whether they're in pots or in the ground, close to houses. Things like Alberta spruce or conifers or lots of different things cannot do well as far as keeping the needles green if they're not getting light.
16: Will they come back if I turn it toward the sun?
3: Uh, No. Basically, once they're green, once they they were green and then they turn brown, there is no viable buds there that can produce any more needles. Okay, thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after
1: these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's go over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol.
17: Hi. Oh, thank you for my call. Um, I have, and it's spreading ra- rapidly in my lawn, there's three small leaves, very long-rooted system, um, and I've never seen the weed before. I notice it in other people's lawns, and it's spreading. Do you have any idea what it could be?
3: Uh, it's tough with just your description to know exactly what it is. Um Let's see.
17: Okay, it's each one, each leaf um, would have three li- very small leaves.
3: Okay, it's probably black medic. It's probably, does it look like clover a little bit? Yes. Okay, so it's black medic. It has a yellow flower. How What's, do you spell
17: that black what?
3: Uh, medic, M E D I C. Oh, okay, just like medic. Okay. Right, and what you need to do is just get a, uh, like a weed be gone or broadleaf weed killer and just spray it on that.
17: Okay, now will that propagate, keep propagating? It's taken over almost my whole lawn.
16: Yeah.
3: I have because,
17: tried 7-concentrate, but, boy, that just eats the whole area away. Yeah, seven,
3: Seven's not an herbicide. Seven's an insecticide. Oh, okay. So, you're so putting, I need a
17: herbicide.
3: Yes, so that's why weed be gone or anything that kills broadleaf weeds.
17: Okay, and then when do I um, use that?
3: The ASAP, but just read the label first related to temperatures and things like that cuz a lot of times you can cause more problems by spraying when it's too hot or it's too this or it's too that. Okay. So just read the label and then uh, do the application according to when the label's, you know, advises.
17: Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Sir, have a great one.
3: Sure, thank you. All
17: right. Bye-bye. Let's
3: head over to Lori's yard. Hi Lori. Hi Mike. Hi. Thanks
17: for taking my call.
3: Sure.
18: I have a peace lily. And she's not in bloom now like with the statuous look, but at the core where she started to blossom again, where the new growth is coming up, Mm -hmm. once they come up, before those leaves can start to unfurl, the tips are turning brown. I moved it to a bigger pot at one time because it was outgrowing the pot with the long roots. Right. And she was fine, and then with this hot weather and stuff, even though I had her inside, she's still turning that brown before the leaves unfurl and flourish.
3: So you're talking so about the petal, not the leaves, the white petal?
18: It's not the petal. There is no, there's no flowers on it. This is all the new growth that's coming oh, okay. out of the ground. Right. It gets about maybe three to four inches high, and the leaf gets ready to unfurl, but she's turning brown right at the tip before it even on florals. And if I keep watering it, I'm afraid of root rot.
3: Right, exactly. Probably what you should do is pull it out of the pot, shake all the potting mix off of it you possibly can, and then repot it with brand-new potting mix.
18: Okay, all right. Then I don't have to add anything like a fertilizer or anything. No, to it not initially.
3: Later. No, just you shouldn't do anything, and then just wait until you start to see some new growth. Then fertilize at that time. But initially, just get rid of the all the existing potting mix, potting soil, whatever there is around the root system. Even if you oh. have to, you know, takes you know put it, take it in the basement or outside and hose that, all that stuff off the root system, and then repot it.
18: Okay, I appreciate it, because you should have seen when I took her out of the old pot, the roots were so long. Right. They, they just looked like somebody had pulled a clump of grass out of my garden. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I thank you very much.
3: Sure, my Maybe pleasure. Maybe I can
10: save her.
18: Thank you. All
3: right. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's go over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy.
10: Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. We've got a hardy, exotic banana tree. And it's doing pretty good, but now it's got a lot of new growth around the base of it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like t- toes growing all over. Should we leave those or cut them off? Or could you even cut them off and, like, re- re- you know, replant them by letting them get some – and put them in water to get root hairs on
3: them? I or? probably wouldn't put them in water, but I'd put them in, like, a potting mix if you uh-huh. want to cut them off and put them in a potting mix for starting plant material and put, then sink that pot – into the ground where this other hardy variety is, you know, the mother plant is growing.
10: Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, that's what we weren't sure about since our first year to have this. But I, it's, you know, it's doing pretty good. Some yeah. of the leaves get torn, but that's just normal, I think, with the wind and everything. Absolutely. Okay. Now, also, I have a, some hydrangea bushes, and one of them has gotten so many flowers on it. Now, this, you know, a fall, when if I cut some of that off, will I not have flowers on those areas then?
3: No, it's a summer flower, and you can prune it all the way up until the new growth. In other words, just the leaves start in the springtime. So oh, okay. you got all the way through the fall and through, you know, most of the winter wintertime to, to get your pruning done.
10: Oh, okay. All righty. Okay, well, thank you. Have a nice day.
3: Sure, same to you. And, uh, Ralph, could you do it quickly?
10: Sure can. Mike, I
15: got
6: this uh, oak tree, and it's about 40 years old, and the leaves are falling off, branches falling off, but it looks healthy. It doesn't look like it's there. What's causing that?
3: It's Probably a lot of squirrels are doing it. So just look at the, anything that's falling onto the ground and see if the angle, the cut on the stem where the leaves are, is like at a 45-degree angle. If it is, then it's due to squirrels.
6: But it's just about all the trees in the subdivision, the oak trees are doing that. It looks like they're shedding, they're having a fall shedding before early.
3: Yeah, but it's not. It's squirrels all over my neighborhood. All the oak trees are having this happen for the most part. Oh, okay. It's just. Thank you. That's
15: all I need to know.
3: All right, great. Well, thanks a lot. Mike Miller, KMWASH Garden Hotline. I will see you next week.